Have your Bibles tonight, Ephesians. We have the Lord's table tonight, as we do the last Sunday night of each month. And I want to look, look forward to that, but I want to just draw your attention to Ephesians chapter number 4. If you would, verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints. Now, he gives some offices of the church. You'll notice in verse 11, uh, said some evangelists and pastors and teachers, and their purpose, their role, is for the perfecting of the saints. Now, to perfect the saints, if you'll notice, we're going to look at two different passages of Scripture to sort of in the same context, to let you kind of help understand the positive and the negative. So notice, if you would, in chapter 3, in verse number 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. So in other words, the day you and I get saved, everybody in this room gets the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. You're bought with a price, in the book of 1 Corinthians says. So the Spirit of God comes into our heart. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says, he is the seal of eternal life. He is the, the promise, he's the earnest, that he's coming back to get us one of these days. And so he says, in order to be the kind of saint you ought to be, verse 12 of chapter 4, for the perfecting of the saints, you and I have to understand there's some things that need to be in our life. Notice, if you would, verse 16, this strengthened with might by the Spirit of God. You and I have to listen to the Holy Spirit as He guides us into strength and, and more understanding of who God is and what He wants for us. And then you'll notice in verse number, uh, verse number 18, you may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ. One of the things of a Christian that's mature is he knows that Jesus loves him. And that love is the motivation of his life. It's why you come to church. Oh, I know. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but there's a higher standard. You come because you love him, because he loves you. We love him because he first loved us. A, a, a mature Christian knows that Jesus loves them. And it is why we do and don't do certain things. You'll notice, and not only just to know his love, but to understand the, the magnitude of it. Look in verse number 19, and to lo know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. It's something that you and I can't, cannot wrap our hands around. We can't put it in our minds, the love of Christ. It's greater than all of that you and I could think of. And it gives us value. Do you understand, if Jesus loves you more than the world could explain, how important are you? You're worth everything to him. And so a part of being a mature Christian, a perfect man, is understanding that God loves you, and notice he says, to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. 
this, this understanding of God's love, you, it just, it, it caused you to understand the, the magnitude of God. Uh, notice if you would in verse number, uh, in, in verse number 20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. A part of one of the things that, that we learn about the greatness of God is that there's nothing he can't do. And he wants you and I to understand when we ask something of him, there's nothing impossible. That's when he says, who can, uh, who can do exceedingly above we could ask? And notice the next phrase, or think. Some things you and I cannot, uh, we cannot even fathom that it would be possible. So maybe only think about it. He said, if you can understand the greatness of God and his love for you, then you can understand that he could do what you even think. Wow, what a great God that is. And it's impossible for you and I to grow and have this spirit of God uh, guide our steps unless we understand the greatness of God. It's a part of perfecting the saints. Oh, we don't think much about that. We think about perfecting the saints. Uh, you'll notice, if you would, uh, in verse number 20, he says uh, uh, that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So you have the power of God working in your heart. So what does that mean you and I could do if the power of God is in our heart? Well, uh, it means we could live above sin. If you understand how much God loves you, it ought to cause you to love him back to the point where you say, I want to do this for you. That's the reason why when somebody surrenders for the mission field, to go to Guyana, to go to Honduras, to go to uh, Cambodia, to go to some of these faraway places, uh, probably the most faraway place I've ever been to is either the, uh, the Amazon. Uh, I, I remember being there and we needed wood. Uh, we we're building a, 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 a Bible, a little Bible college building and, and the wood hadn't arrived down from the rainforest. And so I asked the national pastors, where do you think the wood is? He said, well, I know where it is. It's, it's up there on the mountain. I said, could we go get it? And he says, well, I guess. And so we got in, in some boats, uh, and, and we went up the river, and we kept going up river. Uh, and uh, keep in mind, at that point in time, the Amazon flooded from bank to bank. There are no banks. It's just trees everywhere. It, 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 you can't see the banks of the Amazon either way. It's flooded. And so we go to this little loggers camp, in the rainforest of the Amazon, and when we got up there, we said, where's the wood? And they said, and they took us up the mountain and stacked up against other tall trees, cut, ready to come down. They said, but we can't get it down because there's not enough rain. We can't get it down there. <clears throat> we said, Lord, could you help us? We need this wood. You know what I did that night? We had to drag our boat to their camp. I remember jumping down in the water to get the boat over the camp and seeing little white eyes on the bank looking at us. I don't know what they were. I didn't ask. I didn't want to know. I just want to get out of the water as soon as I could, get back in the boat. And so we're pulling that boat up, and we finally get it up to the camp, and there are people laying on boards, families, cutting our wood. And I'm thinking, how, how are you going to get this wood out? They said, when it rains enough to get up to the banks 
our boat. They had a huge, heavy boat there. We'll load it up with wood, and it'll float out. And we said, Lord, we need your help. We, we don't know what to do. But let's get the wood off the mountain. So that night, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, we got the wood, and we loaded it down, got it on the, on the, the boards of there, and we slept that night on the wood. Now, the, the, the pastor told us it was about uh, two hours, and it was really four hours to get there, and it was too late to get back. And we didn't take the proper clothing or anything like that because we planned on getting there and getting back with the wood. So that night, we all got underneath the tarp. There were four of us. We got underneath the tarp, and we slept on boards. It's the first time in my life I ever slept on a board. Um, I I don't mean, uh, boards are hard. But it was better than the ground. And then that night, it thundered and lightning. It rained. Uh, Have you ever heard the term, it rained cat and dogs, cats and dogs? Well, it rained elephants and whales, I'm telling you. And the next morning we got up and we walked out and I looked at where that river was, where our boat was. It was level with the bank. I said, Lord, how do I say thank you? So I went up to the logger and I said, hey, it's right there. I said, can we take the boards down now? And he, he said, oh, I guess. So we loaded on the boat and took it down, built our building. One night, I, I realized a little bit here and a little bit there, he can do beyond what I could even think. I couldn't think of a th- thunderstorm that would raise that that little tributary up five feet so it would float out. Well, we had to take a chainsaw and cut down the limbs that had fallen to get out. And then we got down to the end, and another problem came up. We were lost. Our guide, he put him on a boat. He said, oh, he knows the way out. I said, are you sure? He said, oh, yeah, he lives here. I said, you sure? I'm sure. And he got on the boat. And I saw him doing this. I said, oh, Lord, please. We're loaded with wood. There's no land anywhere. Now, unto him that is able to exceeding abundantly above, we could ask or think, Lord, we need you. And the only thing we had was, how are we going to get out of here? I don't even know which way to go. And, and, and so... We looked at the water, and as the water was hitting these trees, you could see it was going that way. Well, that makes sense to me. Look, let's just go that way, because it's got to run into the big river if it's going that way. And they, okay, so we turned the boat, and about two or three hours. Now, that's the three hours longest prayers that we've been praying. Lord, please, would you get us back to the regular Amazon River? There were no signs, east, Amazon, west, Amazon. There was nothing. And we got all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, we pulled out of these trees right in the the middle of the Amazon River. Oh, Lord, thank you. Now which way do we go? Well, it looks like that's upstream. And so we started going upstream. About two or three hours later, we came to the little bank village and the guy says where have y'all been 
we don't know. But we're glad we found you. He says, we were about to send out the teams to look for y'all. Where have y'all been? We've been getting this wood. Little things that I noticed that God can do when you need him. And so it perfects us. He puts us in a place where we cannot get out of it ourselves, whether it's a health issue, it's a financial issue. But he says, I'm going to grow you through this. Notice in verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints to making us mature in Christ. Uh, If I were to give you a a list of the things that make us uh, perfect in Christ, you know, I I would say uh, that uh, they would be knowledge. You know, you have knowledge in your life. You know the Word of God. Wisdom. You know how to apply the Word of God. Uh, It would be holiness that you're right with God, and it would be effort that you're willing to serve Him. Without those four things, I don't think there is any perfected Christians. You have to know God's Word. You have to have the wisdom to apply it. You have to have the willingness to say, I'll do what you want me to do. There's a lot of Christians that are smart. They know God's Word, but they can't use it to live by They can't make a decision based solely on God's Word. That's what it means to perfect the saints. For for you and I to learn how to use God's Word to say, I I don't know where God wants me, but I'm willing to let Him show me. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He will show me, and I will trust Him. And then when you get there, I I, want to do what He wants me to do. You put forth the effort. But none of that happens if you're not holy. He doesn't work through dirty vessels. So perfecting the saints is multiple things, but it is the knowledge that your God can do anything. And you use that knowledge to make decisions, upriver, downriver, pay this bill, not this bill. Pay, Lord, how can I do this? And then notice if you would, uh, there's another thing we used, holiness. Look over verse 17 of chapter 4. Notice this, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles. So he gives an example of other people, Gentiles, that keep in mind the Ephesians, they were worshipers of the goddess Diana. He says, look, uh, other Gentiles that are not doing right. He says, look, I want to point this out to you. Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. They think about things that have no eternal value vanity. It's something that has no worth to it. So there are a lot of people that are going through life doing worthless things. Now, when I say worthless, I'm not talking about to the world's eyes, but to his eyes. I think these are probably worthless in most people's eyes. Until somebody trusts Christ as Savior and it changes everything. It's no longer worthless. But the Gentiles don't see it that way. People that don't know the Lord. And you'll notice he says, in the vanity of their minds, uh, uh, their pornographic minds, their their lustful minds, their covetous minds. He said, look, I don't want you to be like that. I want you to be holy. I want you to be like the Lord wants you to be. 
And there's a lot of men and women in this room that, that we look at this passage and say, you know, I, I don't want to be like the other Gentiles, the way they walk. Uh, I don't want to have vain thoughts, thoughts that don't matter to the Lord. Notice, if you would, in verse number 18, having the understanding darkened. The more we think thoughts that are unworthy of the Lord, the more darkened we become. It's like going down a hole. We just keep going. And notice what he says. He said, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. They don't understand that God loves them. They don't understand that they're to love God back. They don't understand that when they talk to their Heavenly Father, they can ask Him things and they can think about things and He can do anything for them. They don't have that connection to the great God of heaven. Do you? Do you know him well enough to say, Lord, I've got a, I've got a burden here. Could you help me? Do you understand that, that your heavenly father, your God, the God of heaven says, I love you. And when he loves somebody, he'll move heaven and earth to take care of them if they're holy. If they want to live like he wants them to be. Notice, if you would, he says this, <clears throat> He says, being alienated from the life of God. They've been separated from what God wants. They're Christians that live like this. They ought not to, but they haven't learned, they haven't been taught by a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist uh, to, to perfect their life, to live more holy, to let their thoughts be the thoughts that the Lord wants them to think. You can't think about thoughts about how you could pay somebody back. That's not holy. Notice, if you would, uh, we, you and I can't think thoughts like the world. Notice, if you would, in verse 18, he said, through the ignorance that is in them, they don't understand that God wants them to live holy. Do you all, do us all in this room tonight, understand that your heavenly Father wants you to live holy? without sin. And you might say, well, how can anybody do that? Well, there's, it's two parts. Number one, all my sin is confessed. Lord, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I had that thought. Lord, I'm sorry I've said that. Lord, I want to be clean before you. And number two, I won't do it again. I'm not going to plan to do it again. I'll forgive my husband. I'll forgive my wife. And I don't plan on getting bitter or not forgiving her next week. I'll forgive that guy at work, and I won't hold it against him when he does it again next week. You see, these Christians know how to live above the world. They're perfect in Christ. They can be asked to do something that they don't like to do, and they'll do it not just one mile, but a second mile, willingly. They're above the world. You can't look at the attitude of this perfected Christian that is mature in Christ and understand that he prays for those people that don't like him. He prays for God's blessing in their life. That's totally contrary to the person that's ignorant of what God wants for them. Notice, if you would, not only that, but he says, because of the blindness of their heart. They're blind 
in their heart to know that God wants them to know that he loves them and he wants them to live right and he wants us to love him. Now notice in verse 19, he says, who being past feeling, if we're not careful, any sin we commit over and over again, it cauterizes our feelings to where we can't hear the Holy Spirit. It's called having a seared conscience. It can happen to any of us. If you don't take any sin in your life and every sin in your life and say, Lord, I'm sorry for that sin. I don't want to do it again. It will cause blindness in your sight. And you will not be able to see the greatness of your God. And so notice, if you would, now let's go back over, if you would, in verse number 20, he says, but ye have not so learned Christ. He said, look, live like you've learned of Christ. Now let's go back over to verse 12 of chapter 4. He says, for the perfecting of the saints, that's one of the goals of a preacher, a pastor, an evangelist, a teacher, a Sunday school teacher. Um, Now these are God-called positions, but we have things in the church that people do that do this very thing for the perfecting of the saints. Don't think a Sunday school teacher's position is is a nothing. It's to make an eternal difference. He said, for the perfecting of the saints. Well, if you've got a class of of six-year-olds and and half of them are saved, you're perfecting the saints. You've got a, a group of seniors or junior high kids, you're perfecting the saints. But young people, you have to listen. You have to say, I know God is bigger than I am, and I know that he hears me, and I know that he loves me. It'll change the way you live. And now we have not learned Christ that you can do whatever you want to do and please him. So notice, if you would, in verse 12, he says, for the work of the ministry. He said, so these men are to teach us how to do the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? It's seeing people saved. It's seeing people grow. It's helping marriages be stronger. It's helping young people obey their parents it's the work of the ministry. It's, it's getting people to Jesus. It's, it's the work of the ministry. It's praying for missionaries. It's a part of what we do for the labor of the Lord. It's to reach people. It's to encourage people to do what's right. Uh, the work of the ministry is praying for Ian as he goes into the military that he would stand strong. Uh, the Lord wants him to stand strong and be a representative for him. It's to encourage Brother Nick that he can make it through this difficult time of his life. All of us should be involved in the work of the ministry. If someone comes in that's new and doesn't know uh, anything, they come in and somebody befriends them and they trust Christ as Savior. That's the work of the ministry. There are so many people that they come in, they sit for an hour, they go home, and they feel like "I've, I've sort of done my duty. We're to try to help you understand that there's a work to be done, all of us in this room. And notice, if you would, in verse 12, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's to build up Christians. It's to build up this group here. It's to build us up as individuals for the work of the, for the perfecting of the saints, but it's also for the, the entire body of Christ. Notice, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for this, for this uh, group here of, 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 of uh, uh, assemblies, uh, people that have assembled themselves together. It's for us tonight that we could, as a body, grow closer to Christ. 
many of you have ever been in, maybe we've been singing and, and you just kind of got lifted up by the singing that was going on? Have you ever been in a service like that? Raise your hand. Let me see it. Okay. That's the work of the ministry. You might say, well, you know, let, let Brother, Brother Scott gets ready. Let, let's sing. It's the work of the ministry. There's some people here that maybe need some encouragement, and you can sing them closer to Christ. We don't think about that much. I guarantee you, when we step foot inside heaven and see Jesus Christ and hear the melody of the songs of heaven, we're going to let it rip, all of us in this room. It is going to be the most thrilling time because it is forever to sing the glory of Christ. We're supposed to do heavenly things on the earth. So when you sing, it's a part of the work of the minister. The choir is the work of the ministry. The organ, or the, or the orchestra is a work of the ministry. Do you understand? Notice in verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Till we all are, are, are we, we come together. Now notice if you would in verse number, uh, in verse number 13, he says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. It's not sinless. It's to someone that says, I, I've confessed all my sin, and I don't want to do it again. That is the mature Christian. They understand the holiness of God. They understand the effort that it takes to do the work of the ministry. They understand the knowledge of God. He's a great God. He can do anything, and I'll use the words of God to make the decisions of my life. That person's a mature Christian. Notice, if you would, another part of that is this. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I don't know about you, but I'd like to have some of the fullness of Christ in my life. So that I could withstand the mockings of various people like he did the Pharisees. And still do what's right. How that he could hang on the cross and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the fullness of Christ. Do we forgive people quickly and easily if they don't deserve it? That's the fullness of Christ. You see, tonight, uh, this place is to help all of us grow together unto Christ. That's my job. That's Brother Brandon's job. That's Brother Scott's job. So when Brother Brandon gets up and says, let's sing song so-and-so, verse so-and-so, let's do the work of the ministry. It's for his sake. It's not to make Brother Brandon feel good. Now, if you lift the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the roof off this church and your songs, you're going to make him feel good, but you're going to also encourage the God of heaven because it comes from the heart. I know the love of God. I know what God loves me. I, I want to sing to him tonight. Notice, if you would, in verse number 14, it's to prevent this, that we henceforth, they used to be tossed about, to be henceforth no more children, and children are noted for making poor decisions because they don't know better. 
He said that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Oh, we have this person, we do that. We know another person, we do that. Notice what he says. And are carried about with every wind of doctrine. You have to know what you believe from this book. That's the reason mature Christians have the knowledge of God's Word. And they have wisdom to apply it. It drives a stake in the ground and keeps you and I from being moved back and forth. We need some perfect Christians, some Christians that are mature in Christ. Now notice, and I'm just going to take a look at verse 14. He says, that are carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. This is a kabeo. It's the word for a dice player. That's a cheater. He's playing games with people and cheating them. The old devil's playing games with Christians and cheating us out of a godly life if we're not careful. By the slight of men. And he uses men to do that with us. We have to take God's word and understand the character of God and know him and not let any of that dice playing, any of that worldliness affect our hearts because we know him. And I love this part, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love. All of us in this room, from time to time, we have to say hard things. How do we say it? A part of the perfect man, the man that is mature in Christ, wants to help people closer to Christ, and he does it with a tone in his voice that disarms people. The tone is love. Notice, as he says it, but speaking the truth in love. It is important that you and I always speak the truth, but it is equally important of the motivation. It is important that we're honest, but it's equally important that we're honest in love. It is important that we do the right things, but it's also important that we do the right things because we love the Lord. Folks, everything that you do, it's important that you tithe. But don't you understand something? I would rather you not give your money because you've got to. I'd rather you talk to the Lord until you can give your money with joy. And I'll give you an example. I'm married to this sweet lady down here. If I were to say to her, I want to give you, I want to, I want to, I want to give you a thousand dollars. I want to take you shopping because I'm tired of hearing you complain. Now she doesn't complain, never has, but there are some men, I, I, just take this money and go because I'm tired of hearing. That is not giving in love. Honey, I want you to take this $1,000 and I want you to go spend it on anything you would like because I love you. Now that means something. You can take any gift and ruin it if it's not because you love somebody. If I preached out of duty, it doesn't have the same ring. Okay, Lord, I got to do it tonight. I need your help. Lord, I love you. Would you help me to say the right things because I love them and you? That makes a difference.
And tonight, I love the people in this room very much. I pray for you. I want you to grow in Christ to the point where you can forgive people when they don't deserve it. You can be good to people when they make mistakes and don't apologize. You can just live in the fullness of Christ because you love him. Now tonight, we're getting to take of the Lord's table. I want you to look at your life and ask yourself this question. Am I holy tonight? Now, uh, the Bible teaches, and we have a, a New Beginnings class, we read it tonight. Um, uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, uh, you're to be worthy. And the question was brought up, you know, what does worthy mean? Well, the, the Bible defines it when he says, you, otherwise you're guilty of the body and blood of Christ. What have we done to cause him to die? Those are the things we don't want to do now. Well, I used to lie pretty regularly. Well, I don't want to now. Uh, I, I used to cheat sometimes. I, I don't want to do that now. We used to fill in the blank and say, Lord Jesus, because you died for me, your body was broken, your blood was shed, I don't want to do any of those things again. Forgive me. Then it means something to Jesus Christ. Teenager, adult, it doesn't matter. Let's love the Lord tonight and show him by the way we live tomorrow. Tonight, I want to encourage every one of you to grow in Christ to where you can do the work of the ministry because you love him. And all of us are built up together. Let's bow our heads for the prayer tonight. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I, <clears throat> I do have some things in my life that shouldn't be there. Well, tell the Lord you're sorry. He'll forgive you. Get it right tonight. Come to this altar and say, Lord, tonight I want to say I'm sorry. And maybe you're here tonight and, and, and you say, Pastor, there's some things I ought to be doing that I'm not. There's some work things of the ministry that I'm not doing. I don't sing like I ought. I don't pray for people like I ought. I don't forgive like I ought. Why don't you say, Lord, forgive me. Help me. Why don't you grow tonight? I want you to maybe take a step back and realize how God loves you. How wonderful he is. Lord Jesus, would you speak to our hearts tonight? Would you move us closer to you? Would you cause us to know that you can do anything and that your love is greater than anything can destroy? And Lord, that our love should be greater for you because of what you've already done for us. Lord, we don't want to do anything to hurt your love. Now speak to our hearts tonight, dear Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm just going to ask the pianist to play a verse or two or three. If you need to come to this altar tonight, before we partake of the Lord's table, I want to encourage you to just get up out of your seat and come talk to the Lord. Maybe there's somebody you're burdened for. You want to intercede for them. You come. Lord, I want to talk to you tonight. I want you to bless so-and-so. Maybe there's somebody not done you right. Come pray for them. Whatever the need is tonight, could I encourage you to walk worthy right now, to have a worthy heart right now.